Welcome everybody to the Infertility Feelings Podcast. Today we are talking about infertility and depression. This is a huge topic. Yes, because depression is something that you can experience in infertility. There is nothing wrong with you. You are not doing it wrong. It is something that can happen. So we want to talk about it and what it can feel like, what you can be looking out for, and then what can you do about it? This is the Infertility Feelings Podcast. And today we're talking about the feeling of feeling depressed. When I think about infertility and depression, the first question that comes to my mind is wanting just to define depression. What is what is depression? Do we use that word the right way? When we talk about infertility and depression, are we talking about infertility and sadness? Maybe it's just the way my mind works. I don't know if that's helpful for us all. But I think it would be a good thing for us to do to just get clear on what we're all talking about. Because obviously, everyone knows infertility is sad. You know, no, yeah. no one needs to make that argument. I don't think we need right. to. Like, you know, it is sad when you can't have children and you're trying to have children. That obvi- That's obvious. Is depression super sadness? Is it like the, the worst version of being sad? Let's maybe try to clear that up first. So Annie, uh, make sense of all that for us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was one question. Just that simple one question. That was like you eight questions. You guys have so much confidence in me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. <laughs> You know, I think there is so, there's a continuum, just like everything. There's a continuum of sadness. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, I think infertility can obviously create sadness and it can create depression and clinical depression. So you have the one, the one side of, of the spectrum is I'm down. I feel sad. I'm having a hard day Um, Two clinical depression where you can't get out of bed. Right. And I think it's very important to distinguish between the two and to know when you should seek help and, and when it really can be a problem. Yeah. So I think I totally agree. Let's start with maybe the, the one end of that spectrum where we're just sad. Obviously infertility, just finding out another yeah. month goes by and you're sad. What would be, what would be something that um, I'm looking out for? Like how many days can I be sad until I'm depressed? I know that sounds like crazy and it's probably not what you would ever ask a psychologist and it's not how it works. But I think for me, I don't know. I'm just wondering, like trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, it's like, and oh, I've been sad a lot lately. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because as far as the d- clinical diagnosis, there yeah. actually is a time frame. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, really? It. Yes. And so you, to have clinical major depression, yeah. you need to have the, the symptoms, which I can talk about yeah. for at least two weeks. Wow. You know, if I'm being honest, that seems shorter than I thought so, you were going to say. Yeah. And that's, that's a major depressive episode. There's actually okay, a couple okay. of different kinds of depression. There's major depressive episode. And then there's something called dysthymia. Dysthymia is a lower grade depression that's long-term. Okay. So it's not as serious as far as the intensity of the symptoms. It's just kind of this ongoing long-term. Dull ache. Dull ache. That's a great, yes. And actually I think a lot of people deal with dysthymia. Yeah. But because it's not as severe, they don't, it's almost like they're so used to it. They don't even realize that they have this right. low level of depression. Can you right. say that the world maybe all through all of 2020 had dysphagia? I think that's very possible. <laughs> that's so true. Wait, that's really interesting though. So there's more than one type of clinical depression. Yes. So, okay. and they're very, they really do look very different. Okay. Um, we often, when we talk about depression, I think most of us think of the major depression, right? Yeah. We think about, uh, just having a hard time getting out of bed, not wanting to do fun things. Yeah. Um, that kind of just heaviness. Right. Yeah. Um, 
But I think when you're going through something that's long term, such as infertility, that it would it would be maybe even more common to have more dysthymic type of depression. Mm. Yeah. Which is, again, this kind of just low grade sadness. Yeah. Right. Um, whereas major depression is, you know, some of the symptoms would be um, a change in weight, either gaining weight or losing weight, a yeah. change in their sleep patterns, mm. either sleeping a ton or not sleeping enough. Mm. Um, it would be not what not interested in doing things that used to interest you and be excited about. So yeah. kind of a lack of wanting to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, concentration, really struggling with concentration. Mm. Um, you know, and and then you have kind of this extreme of literally not getting out of bed. Um, yeah. Suicidal right. thoughts. So yeah, that's major depressive. That's major, and it has yeah. to be at least two weeks, most days, most of the time. Okay. Yeah. Most so, days, that does, most that of does the time. Seem, that that seems noticeable. Like yes. if, if you're experiencing that, you're really yeah. aware of what you're going through. Yeah. And maybe this is a little off topic, but I feel like it would be good to clear up. <laughs> Sounds like a really simple question, even though I feel like it would be complicated. Anxiety and depression. Because those some of those things that you named, I could say that I was anxious. Right. But like, what would yeah. be the difference of the two? Okay. So first of all, I want to say this. Anybody, people with an anxiety disorder or a depressive disorder, 60% have both. Oh, wow. Okay. It's very okay. common to have both. And it usually starts with one and the other develops. Mm. And partly, if not all, due to the other one, right? Right, right? right. Like, so someone's super depressed. Well, that could easily create anxiety. Doesn't that make sense? Or if you're super anxious, that gets depressing to be anxious every day. Right. Yeah. So just know that's very common to have both. Okay. Um, and actually, there's a lot of treatments that are the same. Medications are even the same. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I so, heard that. Um, there's a lot of similarities. I would say um, the one of the big differences is, again, it's hard to separate if you have both. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's going to be hard to. But if you just have depression with a little bit of anxiety, you're going to have more of that lethargic, um, not interested in doing fun things. This mm. just kind of deep sadness. Yeah. Um, that, you going, can't, that you can't shake. That you can't shake. Mm. Anxiety is going to be kind of that intense physical um, heart racing and just worried yeah. all the time and, and kind of hypervigilant. Yeah. Um, you can have those in depression and vice versa. But that's, you know, if you're trying to distinguish between the two, yeah. those are more of the common symptoms of anxiety versus depression. I yeah. heard this. I think this was you. Or I don't know who this was. If Someone it was brilliant. profound, it probably was me. <laughs> I, I don't know. But I think this was you that, I think it was in one of our previous episodes, you said depression is more about the past. Yes. And anxiety is yes. more about the future. Yep. So could that be something that like just people are mm. tuning in with to see if they're depressed? Like, are you think constantly so. thinking about the past? Right. Or are you constantly thinking about yeah. the future? So let's put that in infertility. Yeah. Yeah, ways. please. Yeah. So if you think about you go and you start your period and you're not pregnant. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a currentness to it. But if you think about it, it's something that's just that's happened. It's the right. past. You've started your period. There's a grieving process of what just happened. Right. Whereas anxiety is, oh, my gosh, what's next mm. now? What if I never get pregnant? What if? Right. You know? Yeah. So it's that what ifs, the what ifs, whereas depression is this happened in the past and I am super sad about it. Yeah. So right. that's that's why I say depression's in the past, anxiety's in the future, because anxiety is very much what if. It is not about you're not we're not anxious about what has already happened. Oh, that's a good quote. Yeah. It's really about what could, what might right. happen. So if someone is 
help me understand um, if someone is sad because of say that they started their period and another month went by, they're not getting the results they want and they're sad about it. Would it make sense for them to say, Oh, I'm depressed. Or is that even a helpful distinction? Like wh- when do we say, Oh, I'm just sad because it's sad. And and then now it's something different. It's more like clinical depression. Right. Kind of like when we were talking about, you know, we've talked about anxiety before. There's times where infertility is incredibly stressful. Mm-hmm. But then that changes when you talk about, you know, a, a diagnosis of anxiety. Is that is that, that carryover and similar when it comes to depression? Thinking, I think there is a similarity. Is sad, yeah. I, I, think, I think our society uses the word depression kind of like we talked about in another one about trauma. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh, I have PTSD and yet- it's not PTSD. Right. right. I think that's similar. We use the word depression very quickly, very easily. Mm. And the problem with that is that if we believe that we're really depressed versus sad, mm-hmm. that can cause problems because then we are um, kind of labeling something that doesn't fit. Right. And, and also, we're not going to be as aware of when we truly do become depressed. That, if we do. Yes, I, I agree with that. Oh, good, Doug. Glad <laughs> no, you have your stamp of approval from a psychologist. Totally, I totally agree with that. Like, I think that's, I think, why I'm poking at that one issue right. is if every day we're like, oh, I'm so depressed, I'm so depressed, I'm so depressed. If it gets to a point where you are depressed, it would be like, well, then let's let's face that and, yeah. and look into what we can do. But if everything, if we just always say it, and I think it is just, I don't think people are being intentional. I think it's just no, I agree. the way I that we talk. Flipping, and, yeah. Flipping. Yeah, and right. I don't, I'm not even saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying maybe it might be helpful in our own minds because infertility is a very serious thing. It's not something just to, our mental health and infertility are very serious things. Mm-hmm. Not something that we should just kind of be flippant with. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay to say, I, you know, I say I'm depressed a lot. I'm going to be real with myself though. And if I really do feel like I am depressed, I want to talk to someone. I want to get the help that I need because that's more serious. Yeah. Yeah. To add to your point, uh, I asked people online what it feels like to experience um, depressive feelings. And one person said a heavy cannonball sitting on my chest. Mm. And I feel like that wraps up what almost everybody said in that one statement. And I feel like I'm trying to also understand what what you were saying, Doug. And I feel like, Cause I felt that way. Yeah. But I had relief of it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's like when we had our second adoption fall through, that was probably yeah. the most depressive I have ever felt in my life really. Right, right. And I totally feel that picture of like mm-hmm. a cannonball on my chest. Mm-hmm. I was on my couch. I know exactly what I was looking at. Like it just felt like my world was crashing in, yeah. but that was a Friday. And I feel like by Monday, that cannonball was lighter or yeah. even maybe even gone. Would it be fair to say that someone that is really depressed, that that cannonball doesn't leave? Correct. Okay. So someone who's clinically depressed is going to experience that cannonball most of the day, most days. Mm. It's not going to, it may feel a little bit light. Like we can compartmentalize, right? We can say, okay, I have to go to work today and therefore I'm going to put that over here and I can get through work. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of, I realize that happens and that you, we can even do that in clinical depression. Obviously right, there's right. lots of people with clinical depression that go to work every day. Right. Yeah. So, but it's when it literally is just, they do, it's everything. It takes them everything to get through those times where you're functioning. Right. So yeah. a clinical depression would be the cannonballs there and it's there for at least two weeks. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't go away it, uh, briefly. It might. That's why it says most of the day, because right. there are times where, 
you know, we're watching a show that we're having, we're laughing at and we're having, enjoying it, or yeah. we're doing something fun with our spouses or whatever, right. our friends. So, um, I could see how that would cause anxiety. I could see how you would go, oh, is this ever going to change? Am I ever going to feel better? Yeah. I want to feel better. Or anxiety to go do something and I'm yeah. feeling so sad. Yeah, exactly. Like I want to, I could just see how that would uh, have a spiraling effect to it. You know, mm-hmm. where most days, most of the day, you're feeling like this cannonball yeah. on your chest of, I hate that this happened to me. I'm really low. That. I could see every, you know, it happening every day. You start to feel like, oh my gosh, it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And you start going lower and lower. And I do want to say, just going back to the symptoms of uh, clinical depression. Yeah. And I mentioned some of those, uh, you know, for at least two weeks. Yeah. Um, You have to have a certain number of them as well. So if you're, Mm. if you feel this cannonball in your chest for two weeks, most of the time does not mean you're clinically depressed, right? There has to be a lot of other things going on. So I just wanted to make that clear that one symptom yeah. of the list, and there's more on the list, Right, one symptom is not does not make you clinically depressed. So I want to say that because somebody totally. might get really anxious, like, oh my gosh, I have this. Yeah, and yeah. That's not necessarily clinical depression. Would I, that be like a season of depression, would you say? When you're talking about the cannonball? Like, like, for, yeah, cannonball or whatever. It's like, oh, would you say that's just a, a season of it? I think or? It, that to me sounds like grief. Yeah. When we're talking about infertility and we're talking about something happens, you start your period, you, you know, aren't successful in your treatments right. that time. There is a grieving process that is very healthy, normal mm. and healthy. Right. So the, for example, the cannonball on your chest for the weekend, right. that is a normal and healthy response to grief. Mm-hmm. It's when weeks go by and you, you, you're not getting this uh, reprieve from that. Right. That then we have to start thinking, okay, I need to maybe start taking some steps to help my mental health. Right. And I love how you said, like, maybe defining that you're sad so you know when maybe it switches over to actual yeah. depression. I think I think there's something to that. And again, there's no, no right judgment or, or criticalness in saying, yeah. oh, I'm so depressed. I say it yeah. when I'm feeling down right. it, it, because that is our society. But I'm, right. I'm saying that it's important for us to be able to distinguish between the two for a number of reasons. One, because I think we don't want to think of ourselves as mentally ill mm-hmm. when we're not. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Because we want to speak truth. We want to know truth. Right. We can get into the cognitive distortions and what that does. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> yeah. My language think, is blue. I say I'm blue today. There you go. Yeah. I, I think uh, you bring up a great point that I would love to think about. I, I, part of me feels like sadness and the ability to grieve is actually what helps us feel better sometimes that, you know, okay. You know, the movie inside out, mm-hmm. right? Like love that movie, like the, all these emotions in this person's head. And one of them is sadness. And the, kind of the overarching theme of the whole movie is that happy, like joy won't let sadness do its thing. But really, that's what makes the person feel better in the end is sadness is able to kind of run its course and be sad about the thing that's going on. So to me, I'm like, well, that that is true, right? There's like a lot of truth in that. That for me, some of the things that actually helped me feel better in my in the infertility journey was allowing myself to be sad about what we had gone through, allowing myself to feel sad about the outcome of all of these things. So I wouldn't want to repress that Mm -hmm. because that actually helped me feel better. So help me understand when do we lean into sadness 
And then when does sadness turn into to depression? Is that a timing thing? Is that like, you know, do we go into seasons of sadness? I don't know. Does that make sense? It's a great question. I, I would say that whenever we're dealing with a loss, so whether it's a death of a loved one or it's starting your period and not being pregnant. Yeah. Right. Um, it could be, you know, not getting the job you wanted. There's yeah. a lot of things we experience in life that's a loss. That we, it's important to feel that sadness. It's important to be disappointed. It's important to, depending on obviously, there's a big difference between not getting the job and losing someone you care about. Um, but allowing yourself to experience that sadness, crying, talking about it, and just allowing yourself to just sit in your grief. Yeah. It's yeah. very healthy. Yeah. It's when you get start to get stuck and you okay. can't then you you know you're you're feeling the sadness and uh, you know a week goes by and you still don't want to leave the house. Yeah. And again it depends on what the loss is, but to to then I I think what can happen is it's almost like a snowball effect. You allow yourself to experience that sadness and if you stay in that too mm. long it literally can start changing your chemicals in your brain because you're not exercising, because you're not getting out and getting social interaction. Those yeah. kinds of things our community is so important. Yeah. And when we start pushing that away for very long, it's going to start impacting our mood and and therefore kind of swing to from sadness to, you know, moving towards depression. And would you be fair to say that like almost if you are scared that you are depressed, it's like almost don't listen to your head, like listen, listen to the symptoms that are happening. Are you not going to a lot of social events? Are you, cause I feel like someone that is experiencing mental health, I feel like gets stuck in their head mm -hmm. and they're, and that can create anxiety. Like you were saying, Yeah, you know what I mean? Or more sad thoughts or I am the worst or whatever, all those things. And it's more like try to just look at what's happening around you. Are you in community? Are you, is your routines gone to crap? You know, all that, that would be a way to look at it. Yeah. I think you that say? there's some validity to that. Yeah. I think that, um, like we talk about every time we get together is community. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's, it really right. is one of the most important things we have in our lives and, and helps our mental health. Right. Mm. That when we find ourselves getting isolated, whether it's due to depression or anxiety, um, that's when we have to say, okay, is this a red flag? Yeah. When we isolate ourselves for very long, we're not on a good road. Yeah. Because our community is so important. Now, of course, when we're grieving, you know, when I'm grieving, it's like, I just need some time alone. Totally. Yeah, right? yeah. totally. I'm an introvert. I want to just be alone for a bit. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. And that is healthy for me to do. Right. Mm -hmm. But if five days goes by and I haven't interacted with people, there's a real problem. Right. Mm -hmm. And even as an introvert, there's a problem. Right. So I think that is such a good piece to look at. Okay. Where am I in my community? How long has it been since I've reached out to somebody to say I'm hurting or I'm grieving or this is what happened. Right. Right. You know, stay connected because we, if we have people in our lives, good community, healthy community, they're going to help us be accountable to, okay, you've been in your room too long. I right. need to get out. Yeah. I'm going to take you and I, you know, get a cup of coffee or right. go mm -hmm. to the mall or something, get in the car and go for a beautiful drive. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Something. Open the windows. You, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so to have people in our lives that can keep us accountable to say, you know what? I haven't heard from you in a week and yeah. what's up. Why does isolation feel like it's the right choice? You know what? I think that again, because that's my go-to is to isolate when I'm uncomfortable, whether it's, you know, I'm, ticked off about something or I'm feeling sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to be alone. And I think, 
And I'm curious, uh, you yeah. know, as a more of an extrovert, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if yes. it feels different. For me, it's, I find strength in being alone. Mm. I find, now, I, I'm talking about a day. Right. Yeah, a day and yeah. a half, maybe two. Yeah. Um, if I'm really in a bad place, three. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I get that there's something about just, I don't want necessarily to people to just speak into me. I want to just process it on my own. Right. Now, I, I do want to say I have worked through a lot of my own issues. Right. And so I can, I can, it's rare for me to spin out of control in my mind. Right. And, mm. and whereas some people, they spin pretty quick yeah. and right. can go to a very dark place. And yeah. so it's even more important not to be alone for very long. Right. Right. Um, so I think we just have to continually be measuring what's my, what's happening in my community. Am I staying connected to at least one person, hopefully more right. Right. where I'm at least sharing my heart so that I'm moving towards healing because it's okay to grieve and even grieve alone for a little bit. Right. But if we're not, if we're not moving in the direction of health, we're not moving in the direction of, of processing the sadness and working towards joy, then that's how we can spiral. Obviously, we know that infertility makes us sad. Is it true that infertility may increase our likeliness to experience depression? Is that is it possible to say that, that infertility is so sad and it's so long, so repetitive that if we're in this trying to conceive journey, it's possible that we are more open or predisposed to feeling more depressed? Is it possible to think like that? So I would say that we are more vulnerable. Okay. That's a great word. Vulnerable word. Yeah. to depression. I yeah. think I, we have to be careful because yeah. I think what so often we do is, oh my gosh, I've experienced that. And they're saying that there's a connection with depression and therefore I'm you know, depressed. So just, we <laughs> yeah, just yeah, have yeah, to yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, it's probably be good to say in this podcast, no one is trying to diagnose anyone no. or <laughs> make any blanket statements. We're Absolutely just talking not. about, um, yeah, our, our, our experience and, and yeah. everything that we talk about is this is a symptom, not all the symptoms. Correct. Yeah. Um, so I think we're more vulnerable. Anytime we're dealing with significant loss yeah. or trauma, yeah. we are more vulnerable to a lot of things, one of which is depression. We're more yeah. vulnerable to physical illness. We're more vulnerable to mental illness. Yeah. So that's just really good information yeah. to have going into this whole thing, right? Yeah. People, you know, you wonder, well, how, how could infertility affect me beyond just this, this stuff? Yeah. Well, anytime you go through something traumatic uh, or there's a loss involved, right? Like you said the chances of us, the vulnerability, yes. our, our vulnerability is up. Right. Yeah. And that's why resilience is so important. Yes. Right. Oh my gosh. Ding, Wait, ding, ding, ding. I wish that's someone why had, we exist. I knew it. I wish someone had a group where they could there help build resilience. That man. only had a few spots left. You yeah. that, if there's such a thing, that would be amazing. Yes. Gosh. I wish, I hope that happens one day. Not to be like, so, so we should start one, not to be so over the top, but it is true that that is the direct connection to why we exist as a nonprofit is hundred percent. It's a, it's a community with such clearly defined boundaries that, that have, that are making people more vulnerable. You know what I mean? It's right. like, well, there, here's a group of people that clearly are more vulnerable to anxiety and depression and the one thing that could really help them is feeling more resilient and connected. That's why we exist. So yeah, I, yeah, I think, Boom. I do think that knowing though that, oh, I'm, I may be more vulnerable to this is helpful to me at least. Maybe that's I my personality, so but. No, I think that's very true. And I also think 
that when we go through, whether it's infertility or any kind of really challenging time, especially yeah. when there's loss involved, which is definitely part of infertility, yeah. is that we understand the importance because we're vulnerable, yeah. how important it is to take care of ourselves. Self-care yeah. Yeah. is so important when we're going through something really difficult because we need that extra strength right. to get through it. And, and when we do that, what do we develop? Resilience. Yeah. And but, resilience is what helps us get through life. And it is something that we get, we develop and it can stay with us forever. So that yeah. as time get, times get hard, we can handle them in a much better way. Right. Yeah. Like almost the volume of self-care and being in community is need the volume needs to go up Absolutely. when you are having a hard time instead of the other way. Yep. Right. And I feel like a lot of times, and I just want to be clear about this is like a lot of times self-care is attached to kind of isolation. Self-care is that I got to drink my water and I got to have no sugar and I got to work out and do my yoga and do all that. But you're completely isolated. It's like, yeah, I feel like I want to hear you say, Annie, self-care is attached <laughs> to community. I know we've said it a hundred million times, yeah. but yes. I feel like that, that is more that than I've just observed. drinking water is what you're saying. Okay. So when you right. think of self-care and you make your list, of course, on my list would be like a facial or totally. getting my toes done or doing a movie or yes. having a beautiful cup of tea. Yes. With my friends. Right. right? Yeah. So community, I mean, if I'm going to put a list of self-care, I want community to be at the top. Right. Yeah. Now, for some of us, when we're super over the top with always being with people and never being alone, right. that's that's different, right? How that's, dare you, Annie? Right. So some people, some people, self-care would be to have an afternoon by themselves, right? It's that, funny. That, actually, that is actually more my self-care yeah. because I'm around people all the time. Like we just talked about it. Like anytime yeah. I have, you know, I'm not with people, I really need to keep that sacred or the people that I yes. let in are very few. Yeah. <laughs> they're very, they're life-giving people to me. Yeah. You know, so yeah, totally. Because I think that opposite too, you could totally overdo community. Absolutely. Right. I think that- And then you're never alone. Yeah. Um, so having, community needs to be a part of our lives. End of story. I don't care if you're extroverted, introverted, whatever it is. Yeah. There is no one that should be completely isolated from people and from community. Right. And community is not just your spouse or just <laughs> one person. Right. That's always like uh, the good news, bad news right there. Right. <laughs> you need people in your life. Can't just be this one person. Yeah, can't be one person. <laughs> right. so, I know, and it's, and it's hard. I get it too. Like so many people in yeah. our groups, Doug just said it in a group the other day. It's just like, we also understand that this is really hard to do yeah. Yeah. when you are experiencing anxiety and, and depressive feelings or being depressed. And we live in a world that doesn't know how to handle infertility very well. We're trying to change that. But yeah. I feel like it's an extra challenge to be able to help break the stigma of it and be in community sure. and tell how you feel. It is. It's hard. Our goal when we gather mm-hmm. is to give people ideas, yeah. to give people suggestions totally. of responding to something that's really difficult. Yeah. And, you know, even in my book, I talk about Whoa, all book drop, these, book I know, drop. book drop, book Woo. drop, all of the- You should read it though. Sorry, I keep <laughs> They, I, I give so many possible exercises. Yeah. And I do that not so everyone does all of them. There is no way you can do all of them. It's to pick a couple that fit for you. And I think that's what our goal is here. Yes. Is to, we're giving you some suggestions and what fits. And if it fits and it works for you, fantastic. We've done our job. But we're not saying go do all of these things and you're going to be fine. Right. And I think that's important to understand that it's okay to not be okay. 
Yes. We all are not okay all the time. Right. It's not okay to never work on being better, to, to be okay. Yeah. So it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to, to not at least try to, to stay there is what I want to say. Yeah. yeah. If you stay in not being okay for too long, that's when it becomes a problem. And so our goal is to suggest some things that we have found helpful or researchers found helpful. And hopefully it will be to. That's so true. It's like every movement, everyone throughout this process is going to realize that, that it's sad and that leaning into that sadness can be some of the ways that we heal ourselves and, Mm -hmm. and we process things. And there's nothing wrong with even being depressed. Like, no, yeah, there's I, no, this I, is a very yeah. depressing, right? yeah. you're already vulnerable to it. So it's okay. It is okay to feel these feelings. You are not a bad person. Yes. You, it's okay. And I think what we, okay. what, we, what we want as your podcast friends is Ooh, if like you are that. feeling that, dep- that feeling depressed, if you say, well, then I just... I'm just going to give up. This is my life now. We would never want that for you. Right. We would never want you just to settle with, you know, this is the way it is now. And I'm mm-hmm. just going to, and the I'm depression gonna is there. probably going to tell you that yeah. it's probably going to tell right. you to keep, remain isolated. Would you say Annie? I think that can definitely can happen. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why we do need community people in our lives to be able to speak to us, to say this, this you're not okay. We, yeah. you know, what can I do to support you and help you? Right. Because, it's, you know, when there's this spiraling and going down this dark hole, it's hard to come out. And so yeah. we want to have people around us so that before we hit the very bottom, we have people that can help us and carry us right. for a little bit. I think and some then- of my healthiest interactions with friends of mine is is when, you know, something's happening in their life that is hard or difficult to deal with. And then they come to a point of just going, well, I guess this is just it now. Mm-hmm. I guess that this is just me. I'll just be depressed. I'll just be anxious. My mm-hmm. life is over. And what we can do is say, no way. Like, I don't want that for you. That mm-hmm. would be so sad. I'm right. here with you. Let's figure out something. Let's just keep moving. And then them going, okay, yeah, you're right. That's probably not a good idea just to settle with this. And I think that's, I think what we're saying with the sadness and depression is that yeah. We are with you and want more mm-hmm. for you. We want to keep moving and see what else is there. Yeah. And keep sometimes moving. the depression probably, you couldn't even probably do it for yourself. Yeah. So you need people mm-hmm. to do it. Like yeah. maybe you can't do it, but you need someone to be there along the way. If someone is in that position and they're thinking, oh, yeah, I have been stuck in this for a long time and I am feeling maybe even clinically depressed. Maybe they don't have that diagnosis and and they're just thinking, I got to do something. I got to change something. And they're thinking, what's my first step? What would you say is that person's, what should they be looking for? What could be something that they could do to start getting the ball moving again, starting to get uh, moving again? So I will say this, somebody who's clinically depressed doesn't want to do any of the things I'm going to mention. Okay. (laughs) Surprise. That's what I mean. That's good to know. Because you don't want to feel, you don't want to, um, you want to feel better, but you don't want to do things because that's part of what depression is, is it gives you this, this lack of desire to live life. Yeah. Right. That sucks. It sucks that it's like the, the symptoms and the experience of what it's like. To be depressed is that I don't want to do anything. Right. 
But the, but doing something might actually make exactly. it better. Yeah. So someone who's depressed does not want to go for a quick run. Right. And yet it and, and it's so funny because I can't tell you how many people I've told this to and they're like, "Are you kidding me? You're going to tell me to go exercise?" <laughs> and it, it it's the reason why is because it literally creates endorphins. It literally yeah. changes the chemicals in your brain to have more happy neurotransmitters. Right. So yeah. it really does make a difference, especially yeah. if you do it consistently. Yeah. Um to be around community and to be have people that love you, to be around somebody who cares about you and is willing to do something fun yeah. or you know what, to laugh, to watch a funny movie or to watch those cute little puppy videos or <laughs> to, to, again, that actually gives us some serotonin, which de- clinical depression is there is a lack of serotonin and dopamine in our brains. Hmm. So there literally is a chemical part to it. Yeah. There is like a actual physical element that we can take control of. And right. Put more of those physical elements into our right. brain. Yeah. Right. So, right. Um, the, the response to that is then to community and, yeah. you know, and I know there's some people out there that are thinking, are you kidding me? I don't want to be around people. Yes. I know yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so hard. Right. What we talk about is so hard and yes. no way do we want to make it sound like, oh, just go do that and just go do that. And you're going to be all better. Right. right. Yeah. So it's hard. It's challenging. Yeah. But to have people come alongside you is going to help. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make it a little easier to get to that coffee shop, to just sit and ha- enjoy a cup of, go for a walk at a, at a park. Yeah. yeah. So you see the beauty. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and someone can come alongside you and help you with that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I asked people that on, in our Instagram community, what is helpful for them. And a lot of them did say community and a lot of them said support, but even just simply this one person just said, just open your blinds, mm-hmm. open your blinds. Yeah, and I just, love, bit, yeah. yes, like a shower. And then a lot of people, I love this said, keep to your routine, keep mm. to your mm, routine. That's really good. And then someone said Sunday smiles, which literally makes my life. <laughs> but that's for another time. But like food, gym, like, but I just love it. It's just like, open your blinds. Like just have the sunlight, have the sunshine, um, validation, a hug, like tell my partner, you know, I isolate because I feel like no one gets it. But you know, if we look at research, I love research because Mm -hmm. right. Then we have a little bit of proof, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. There's some really interesting ones. Exercise obviously is one, but so yeah. is laughing. So is yeah. being yeah, in nature. Actually, they've proven that being in nature, being outside. Now, I'm not talking about a city street where there's no trees. <laughs> right. Being in around greenery. Right. Or ocean. Or ocean. And actually even watching it on TV, they found to, to watch nature Whoa. videos wow, actually yeah. can help. Wow. Yeah. So, but I encourage people to get outside because I think that's important. And obviously for some people that live in you know, places where there's winter, right. <laughs> you're not going to see a lot of green. So, right. yeah. Um, so turn on the nature channel, baby, and just watch and some, be out in the sunlight, even in, yeah. you know, the winter months, sunlight provides us with vitamin D. It provides yeah. us with a lot of things yeah. that can help us. So there's some really yeah. simple things. I was going to say, I, it's, it's interesting if you're feeling depressed, the last thing maybe you would want to do is like go to a comedy club. Like it doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It's like, Oh, why would I, you know, why would I go down and do that? But it might be the very thing that just starts to put chemicals into our brain in a different way. Right. You're laughing, you're with people, you're out in public and that it seems so counterintuitive. You know what I mean? It feels like you would want to do something that's not, uh, you know, with other people because you're feeling depressed. 
But it is, it's fun. It's interesting that it's the thing that does help us feel better. Yeah. So right. laughing, even smiling, there yeah. actually is a physical response to when we smile with our eyes, you know, a real smile mm-hmm. yeah. that it really does change some, it actually gives us a little bit of endorphins. Oh. Um, actually a gratitude. Yes. And I know that's really hard to grasp when you're feeling yes. depressed. Yeah. But gratitude actually helps us to see things in a more positive light. This yeah. literally happened to me today. Not me, but I have a really good friend broke her leg and it's been really hard and she's been really sad. You can't yeah. go anywhere. You can't physically move, whatever. And I said, I told her, I said, you need to go to like ground level mental health. You need to open your blinds. You need to do a gratitude journal, like just do something like mm-hmm. that. And she did, I bought her a gratitude journal and she did it. And she said she felt much better. Very That's nice. Awesome. Yeah. I literally was like, that literally <laughs> yeah. happened today. Like, yeah. and she is like really in a bad spot. Like she would probably say that she is depressed. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and just these simple things that we can do to help our mental health. Yeah. So yeah. let's say someone, Annie, is doing those things, is having the gratitude journals and, you know, in community or whatever. And they're still feeling that that cannonball. They're past the two week mark and that cannonball is still on their chest. Yeah. What would you okay, say? So if they have some of the other symptoms, such as they're staying in bed, sleeping way more than normal yeah, or not sleeping at all, it's more common to sleep more, but it, you definitely can yeah. have the non-sleeping. Um, you know, and so they have these other things in addition to the cannonball. Right. Um, the, to me, you would want to then seek maybe some professional help. Yeah. Because mm. the thing about clinical depression is that you can have these symptoms and they don't just go away a lot yeah. of times. Now, yeah. the, the reality is research shows that depression um, can just no not doing anything can actually go away wow, after okay. a couple of months or six months. Wow. However, if you if you're in this depression and you continue in it and you don't kind of get into the community and don't do some steps, even the easy ones, the simple ones. Yeah. If you go deep down into that depression, then we're talking about some real chemical issues and therefore medication mm-hmm. and all kinds of things need are required or yeah. encouraged. Yeah. So to me, what we want to do is kind of catch it before it goes to that really dark place. Right. Yeah. So I think it's important to, um, you know, you've, you're doing these different things, but you still just have this. So it's this heaviness that is most days, most of the time, seek out professional help. Yeah. Because there are cognitive behavioral therapy, for example, is works really well with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, and and even you can even talk about medications. And I know that kind of doesn't fit with infertility. And mm. it doesn't mean you have to be on medication by any means. Yeah. Right. But get the professional help and get working on your thought processes and um, yeah. and things like that so yeah. that you don't go down that that hole, that dark hole right. to where it's a lot harder to come back. Right. I had a girlfriend right. tell me that was used, that was on an antidepressant and she said that it helped me choose to go to the comedy club. Mm. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it helped me exactly. be like, I couldn't muster it. So the medication helped me muster it. So then I could help my depression and, you yeah. know, and, and smile. How I and look at it is that it, again, if it's a significant clinical yeah. depression, what medication does is it allows you to use therapy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so really what it does is it brings you up. It takes the edge off. The goal would be to take the edge off so that you can work on what needs to be worked on. That's yeah. exactly what you said. And I, I, I always want to encourage people, if you're going to be on medication, please be in therapy yeah. because you want to learn the skills so that you don't have to be on medication very long. Right. We don't want to be on the medication our whole lives if we don't have to be.
Is it normal when you are feeling depressed to have suicidal thoughts or suicidal ideation? Absolutely. I'd let your comments So that is, if you look at the symptoms, that is not uncommon. Yeah. Now, there's a huge difference between having that thought and then actually pondering that thought and Mm. thinking about how I would do it and having a plan and all of that huge yeah. difference. Yeah. So know that it's it's anytime we're clinically depressed or f- severely depressed, suicidal thoughts is is oftentimes part of that. Mm. But it's when you think, well, how would I do it? And do I have access to that plan? And so yeah. it's very important to be aware of for yourself and people that you're watching. Yeah. That if those thoughts have gone to from just a thought to a plan. We're at a totally different place. And yeah. that's where right. you definitely want to seek help immediately. Um, right. Yeah. And I think we have a, hot, a suicide hotline yes, number. Yes, there's a hotline, 988. Yeah, that's amazing. They just changed that. I know. They it just used to be a full number. Now it's And I Googled yeah. it and I can literally press the button to call. I could text someone or I could send a chat to a person and then it has the website. It's super, yeah, that's super so cool. easy. And it just says yeah. help is available. Speak to someone today. I, I love that yeah. though, because I feel like sometimes we've had people like almost embarrassingly so say that they, they when they're in their dark yeah, place, yeah, yeah. they've had suicidal thoughts and they feel really guilty about that. Mm-hmm. But I hope that someone would, would hear you that that is a part of it. Mm-hmm. The depression, maybe not for everybody, for some when they experience it, but that could be a part of it is, you know, not wanting to get up in the morning or, you know, yeah. whatever those thoughts yeah. is and you're not doing anything wrong. It's okay. Don't judge yourself. But I like that you made that distinction of like, here's where it can take a turn. Yeah. Is when you most people have had suicidal thoughts sometime in their life. So I don't Mm want to use the word normal because that's such a serious um, topic. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, the reality is most people have thought about that. Right. So, but again, you have to understand that it, because it's such a serious issue. Right. Yeah. And it really is a huge problem in America, yeah. around the world. But yeah. in America, it's it's gotten so much worse. Yeah. Um, to be able to then see, okay, I this is more than just a thought. This is yeah. now processing it and thinking of th- a lot. And then, okay, well, what would I do and how would I do it? And um, any any time you're starting to then go that direction, you want to start thinking, okay, I need to talk to somebody about this, a professional. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think the movement of destigmatizing mental health is so important so because important. Yeah. if we think, oh, I want to talk to someone, oh, I could never, oh, I could never talk to someone. That That's where I think we get into situations where we are alone. We don't feel like we can overcome the stigma or the taboo nature of going mm-hmm. to a therapist or even talking to a friend. So I think that, that that is such a good thing that we are doing and need to continue to do is it's okay to struggle. Like you always say, it's okay to not be okay when you give into it and just say, okay, I'll just live here forever. Mm -hmm. I think that's when you get into danger, but not being, you know, being low, being in a bad place happens. Mm -hmm. And if you're struggling to get pregnant, yeah, it's, it totally can happen. Yeah. And we are more vulnerable to it because we're every month experiencing this huge thing that could totally wipe us out. That's okay. Yeah. Reaching out, talking to people, keeping keeping moving, keeping going is right. is all part of the game. And you the, you know you don't have to nail that process. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of room to do it 
you can do it really crappily and you can do it great some days and then other days you just suck right. at it and that's okay. And that's life, right? Yeah. I mean, and some yeah. days are good days and some days are really shitty. Right. Yeah. yeah. And in the infertility community, I feel like it's easy to relate yourself to someone that is also experiencing infertility. And I just want to say like, if anyone is experiencing these symptoms of depression, you're not doing it worse than anyone else. Like, yeah. you know, cause I feel like people love to compare like, Oh, I'm struggling with this, but you're not, I, it must be something wrong with mm. me or mm-hmm. I'm worse off as a human or whatever. And I just want to stop that thought right there. There's not, there's nothing wrong with you. This happens this is, you are in a more vulnerable season for this to happen. And it doesn't mean that you're, that the other person is better because they're not experiencing it and you're worse. It's just what it is. I think it would be an amazing, another response to struggling is joining a group. Yeah. Like an infertility group, an infertility support group that talks about resilience and different things. (laughs) If only we knew one of those. (laughs) Okay, before we close... Is is being in a group like that, like, you know, that's what we do in our groups is you get to process some of the trauma that you've gone through. You get to learn these different abilities. You get to share your story. Is that helpful for overcoming and moving through some of the depression? Absolutely. I mean, I to me, I can't think of anything that would be better. And the reason why is because not only do you have community, but you have community that's dealing with the same thing. That's, yeah. it, it's it's um, like AA. Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. Yeah. The, why that's so powerful and works so well is because people are feel heard. People yeah. know they're not alone. Right. There's yeah. so many good things about that because everyone's going through something similar. Yeah. Right? And so you don't feel alone and you feel heard and seen. And right. that's what I think your group is such a blessing for people because yeah. it's not only an opportunity to share your story, but it's also an opportunity to hear other people's stories yes. right. so that you don't feel so alone in it. Right. 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 And that's exactly why we do them. Yes. Dr. Andrea Ganahl, we could not have talked about infertility and depression without you. Thank you so much. That's great being here. You are the best. Your insight is always so wonderful. I love being with you guys. Thank you for listening to the Infertility Feelings Podcast, a show produced by the nonprofit Uniquely Knitted. This is your place to process, cry, and laugh about infertility. We are so grateful to all of our wonderful donors who support this work. If you would like to learn more about how we serve the community and support the work of Uniquely Knitted, we encourage you to check us out at uniquelyknitted.org. If you enjoy this podcast and would like more people to hear it, please give us a rating and a comment in Apple Podcast. This is the best way for more people to hear these conversations. If you need to talk to someone about your feelings, please reach out to us. We are here to help you. If you would like to learn more about our unique process groups, please follow the link in our show notes. See you guys next week. <laughs>